first of all, BIFMA is an acronym and it does actually stand for something, but like a lot of organizations, we're really known as BIFMA and, and that is we're welcome welcoming that and that's how we'd like to be known. But it does stand for the Business and Institutional Furniture Manufacturers Association. And so we are a nonprofit trade association for furniture manufacturers in North America. You know, it's one of my goals to ensure that I'm providing you relevant information on this show. And today's episode is just that. I'm really excited to welcome Jennifer and David with BIFMA to the episode today to talk a little bit about what BIFMA is and really what is it that they do and why is it important? I think BIFMA can be at times a misunderstood organization and Jennifer and David bring a lot of clarity to who they are and what they do. But I'm also excited to be supporting them in the launch of a new program that I know you are going to find to be extremely valuable as you are out there every day trying to sell office furniture. And that's the BIFMA Compliant Program. Jennifer and David explain exactly what the program is, how it came about, and why it's important, but also how people can discover and verify that products are now officially BIFMA compliant. Then we wrap up today's conversation talking about the upcoming BIFMA 360 conference that will be held in Miami in September of 2021. I've been to one of these events before and they're quite dynamic and they share some information about this year's upcoming event. So for the show notes for this episode, head on over to sidmeadows.com forward slash episode 44. And hey, I want to give a big shout out to all of you that have been leaving us ratings and reviews. I really appreciate it. If you haven't had a chance to do that yet, I'd really appreciate it. If you'd go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review because it helps our show get discovered by other people and helps spread the word about our show so that we can continue to grow the trend report and provide this information to more people in our community. Hey, listen, I appreciate you being here with us today, and I hope that you enjoy today's episode. I'm Sid Meadows, and I'm a certified professional coach, and my focus is on high performance and growth and helping my clients move into action. I'm a personal and professional development junkie, an avid podcast listener and reader. And my passion is all things contract interiors. In this podcast, I'm going to provide you with information, education, ideas, and tools to help you in your personal life, your business, and our industry. So let's have some fun and welcome to the Trend Report Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm glad you're here today for this conversation where we're going to talk about a really important organization inside our industry and learn a little bit about what they do. So I'd like to welcome Jennifer and David to the podcast from BIFMA. How are you guys today? Hey, doing great. Yes. Yep. It's sunshine and snow's melting, so I can't complain at all. Uh, That's a good thing, right? So guys, tell us a little, first off, I'd like you to introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do at BIFMA. Jennifer, you want to start? Sure. Well, thanks for having us today, Sid. We're really excited to be here. My name is Jennifer Womack. I am the Director of Outreach with BIFMA. I've been with the organization about three and a half years, and my role is kind of like it sounds, I'm pretty outward facing. So uh, I'm the person who I call myself a brand ambassador. And I think that kind of encapsulates a lot of what I do. So I'm meeting with a lot of the BIFMA stakeholders out there to carry the BIFMA message out to the broader market. Oh, that's awesome. All right, David, what about you? 
Yeah, I'm the technical director. I've been with BIFMA 11 years. Jennifer's the outward facing one. I'm the one in the back room with the dim lights working on the standards. So, uh, <laughs> no, I, I enjoy what I do and it's a great job. Uh, lots of fun and just enjoy working with so many people in the industry. It's a wonderful industry and glad to be here today too. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad that you guys are both here because you work for an organization that I think is really important in our industry, but also often maybe a little bit misunderstood, or maybe people don't even know who you are. So let's start there. Who is BIFMA? Well, maybe I'll, I'll kind of take the broad brush and, and let Dave fill in because he's, he's the guy with all the important details. First of all, BIFMA is an acronym and it does actually stand for something, but like a lot of organizations, we're really known as BIFMA and, and that is we're welcome welcoming that and that's how we'd like to be known. But it does stand for the Business and Institutional Furniture Manufacturers Association. And so we are a nonprofit trade association for furniture manufacturers in North America. So our main members would be the folks who produce commercial furniture, whether that ends up Really, I mean, anymore, of course, it's any environment, but traditionally they would, uh, their furniture products would end up in office slash workplace or educational environments, healthcare environments, hospitality environments. Really, we kind of talk about the commercial built environment. So that's really what we do. And we, we represent our members and the industry. We do a number of things. We educate about, you know, all of the things that would be important to that industry. What we're probably most known for, and this is where Dave can really fill in, is the standards. So, you know, we've been around over 45 years. And during that time, we have been the organization responsible for creating the safety, performance, and sustainability standards for the industry. So your chair is safe because of a BIFMA standard. And, and that's if people only know one thing about us, that's probably what they do know. So that's really the focus. But as I say, we do some education. We also do a little advocacy on behalf of the industry. We create statistics, which are of really high value to our members so that we can report out on that. And yeah, we just try to be the thought leader that we hope we've earned the place to be uh, out there talking about what matters to the furniture industry. Okay, so that's great. That's a great explanation. So David, from your perspective, tell us a little bit about, maybe a little more detail about what BIFMA actually does on the performance side. Sure. The organization actually started in the 70s, 1970s. We don't have regulations to the, for the most part. We're kind of an unregulated industry, which is good. And so the, uh, office furniture manufacturers said, you know, we really need to have some, some sort of guidance for our products rather than, uh, the government just mandating something that we might not like. So they began, uh, in the seventies to create these standards. And decided shortly afterwards that these should be American national standards. So we are an ANSI accredited American National Standards Institute accredited standards developer organization. SDO is what the acronym that people use. And the benefit of that is we get recognized as an American national standard uh, developing organization. The requirements that we have to do that is we, it can't just be the manufacturer saying, well, this is how they sh the standards should be. So we have to get consumers, government, suppliers, test labs involved in the consensus standard. So they're consensus based standards, which means that everyone's pretty much happy with, uh, with what they are. 
So David, I want to ask you a question about standards and maybe you can explain a little bit more. It's a standard of quality, not a standard of performance. Is that accurate? No, actually, that's not quite accurate. Sid. Okay, great. I'm the, glad I they asked are, that question. We have safety and performance standards. Those okay. generally are our mechanical standards. We have one for chairs, tables, desks, panel systems, storage units, and so on. We also have some standards that deal with furniture emissions, okay. low VOC, low formaldehyde. I think a lot of people are familiar with that. And we have a uh, one of the newer standards is the Furniture Sustainability Standard, mm-hmm. E3. And we have an ergonomics standard, guidance for dimensions for chairs and workstations, generally intensive computer use workstations. Sure. Okay. So explain the difference between the standard and the guide. Okay. So I want to make sure that I fully understand it so that our listeners fully understand it because you have two different things. So can you highlight that a little bit more for me? That is a tough question because there's actually a fine line between the standard and the guide. And we generally refer to a guide as suggestions or recommendations, whereas standard as requirements. Mm-hmm. However, we have a ergonomics guide and the industry uses that really as a standard. So we have the, it's called the BIFMA G1 2013 ergonomics guide, but it's treated like a standard. Okay, so uh, we're in fact, sense. we're in fact going to make it a standard it's in the process right now. So, but to answer your question, guide is generally recommendations. The standard will be requirements. Okay. So should versus shall. Okay. Should versus, I was actually about to say that, right? So the standard yep. is you shall do this and the product shall do this. Mm-hmm. And this, the guide is, hey, you should do this. We recommend that you do this. You know, basically talking about the ergonomic guide, that it's a guide that talks about ergonomics in the work environment and how you should sit and all those kinds of various different things. But now, because it's been used so much as a standard, you're actually turning it into a standard. Correct. Actually, the newest guide is pods. These are like the uh, the phone booths. Yep. So we just came out with that last September, I believe, and it's called it Pods Guide. Mm-hmm. But that may become a standard in the future. Sure. So what I love about what you said is I love the, the the distinction between should and shall. I think that's really understandable for a lot of people. But I also like how you explain, you know, what it is you're really trying to do. And it's really not just benefit the manufacturers, you're trying to benefit our end customers as well. Oh, absolutely. That quality yeah. products are delivered in the market. Yes. Now, go ahead, Jennifer. I was just going to say there, you know, another element, because I could imagine your listeners might say, well, why, why isn't everything then a standard? You know, why, why would you have guides at all? And the, the quick answer to that is one uh, sort of of timing and responsiveness to the market need. So Dave just mentioned our newest guide is around pods. Well, that's a relatively new product category for our market. And creating an ANSI BIFMA standard is no small thing. <laughs> you know, it, it takes a long time. And there's the whole process that Dave was sort of alluding to under the ANSI process that we follow. So sometimes, you know, you want to be able to respond more quickly. And so a guideline, we have a little bit more latitude to get some great guidance out there for people to follow and then it gives us a chance to sort of iterate, you know, maybe fast fail, improve on those guidelines that ultimately, if pods stay around, 
And, you know, there's, there will be a time in which the market might say, hey, you know, let's go ahead and elevate this to an ANSI BIFMA standard. So that's part of the other reason why you would have both. Yeah, that's great, actually. And I think the pod example is a great example. I mean, that product's only been in the, in the U.S. market for five years or so, and it's like taken off like crazy. And there have been a lot of people asking questions about, well, is there a bit of a standard for it? And there mm-hmm. really hasn't been. So I, I love the fact you start with the guide. You're getting a consensus from the community, both the government, users, manufacturers to come up with the guide. And then you watch how that works. And then you develop it as appropriate into a standard, which then sets the standard for how the product should be manufactured, the testing guidelines and things like that. So guys, listen, what Bitma does is really, is really interesting. And if you've never been to a, in a Bitma, you guys don't test products, right? You don't actually perform the test. Correct. That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> a common misunderstanding. You set the standard for it, but you don't actually perform the test. So I've actually had the opportunity to, tour a testing facility and to see how the tests are conducted. And it's fascinating to see how tests are conducted. Um, The one that comes to mind or the memory that I have is the facility that I went to. I can't even remember who it was. It was so long ago, but it was a base of a task chair on a mechanical arm rolling back and forth over a threshold and back and forth. Oh, (laughs) that sounds like the caster test. That's exactly what it was. And that's all it was doing. Right. But I mean, I think it's really interesting. So if you're, if you've never seen one or been to one, Google it and see if you can't come up with some videos or stuff like that. If we find any, we'll drop in the show notes for you as well, just so you can see exactly what BIFMA testing looks like. So BIFMA is the organization that sets the standard and the guide. There are third party independent companies that actually perform the test and generate the report that the manufacturer uses in their marketing or their documentation or however that they want to use it. And okay, so that's great. So how many members are there in BIFMA? Okay, so we're both kind of pausing because like no, that's I, a little I, bit, you know, the way our membership work, we almost would make a distinction between the number of members and the number of say recognized brands that would be out there that, that would not be the same number because our membership is, if a company has multiple brands under their umbrella, they're still considered one member from our perspective. So our number of members, I think, is around 300. Does that sound about yeah. right, Dave? Yeah, yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. Okay. So you got 300 members. That doesn't necessarily mean all of the brands. As we know, over the years, several um, brands have made acquisitions and they've shared sure. independent companies. So you could have one parent company with multiple brands underneath that and they all are considered members. Okay. And some of these, some of these members are also test labs. They're not all manufacturing members. Some are test labs and suppliers. Okay. The majority of our membership are furniture manufacturers, but we also have consultants, test labs, suppliers. Okay. So BIPMA is a voluntary organization in our industry. And I mean, why would a manufacturer want to join? And then what are some of the reasons you see that people don't join? If you don't mind sharing that. I can't <laughs> think of any reason that someone would not want to join. So, <laughs> Yes, of course. That's great, David. I need to yeah. put a sales hat on you. That's great. <laughs> Got that right. I'll take a stab at that. I mean, I think there's a variety of reasons, right? But first and foremost, I think it provides them a seat at the table. You know, we are a voluntary organization, so anybody can join in. You know, if somebody says, Oh, I, you know, I'm not a manufacturer, but I'm very interested in this or that subject, and I would be, like to be part of creating 
the standards, certainly they have the opportunity to do so. But by virtue of being a member, you're just, you know, you're closer to the heartbeat. You you get all of our communication. You understand what we're working on. You have a, a bigger voice in influencing what we might work on. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's choices, obviously, that have to be made there. So it provides you that seat at the table, either literally being on committees and and working on the standards or just sort of in a more general sense. So that's one side of it. The other side is the statistical program that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. So the way our statistical program works is our members feed into it. So you have to be a member to to be able to feed your data in and, you know, (laughs) What goes in comes out. So sure. if, if you provide data, you receive the reports at that same level that you provide it. Correct. So we have a couple of, you know, we give our, our manufacturers some choices as to what level they might want to participate. And then they receive the statistical data that is, you know, sort of amalgamated across all members who are participating at that level. So that's a really high value. It helps manufacturers with their product development decisions, their, you know, some of their business future planning and and so on. So that that's a really big membership value, we would say. That's great. And and people refer to those statistics actually on a really regular basis, if you're familiar mm-hmm. enough with BIFMA. And I think the one that gets referred to the most is according to BIFMA, the size of our industry is X billion dollars, which is reported by the member companies in the United States alone. So it doesn't make, take into necessarily consideration the world as it relates to the volume of our industry. So you're only reporting in the US, but I know that that statistic is actually referred to a lot. Yeah, that statistic now is North America. Historically, okay. it was the United States, but it is now a North American statistic. Okay, that, thank you for that clarification. See all the things I'm learning even in this conversation, which I think is the honestly one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here is to help our listeners to really understand who you are and what you do and the power of your organization. Because it is a really powerful organization that our industry needs to be paying attention to because there's a distinct difference between contract grade and not contract grade. And you basically set the standard for contract grade. And now more than ever, right? (laughs) Now more than ever, yes. I'm going to add two things to what Jennifer said earlier. First on standards, why do people join? free standards. So that that adds up. That adds yep. up. Yep. Uh, with statistics, I've heard organizations say it is so much more efficient for BIFMA to do market research, statistics, and all the detail that goes into that for everyone versus each company doing that on their own and the expense for them to do that on their own. So it's just an efficiency also. So free statistics, efficient use of uh, resources to have market research done. Yeah, that's awesome. So there's been a little bit of evolution of BIFMA over the year. And we're going to talk about one of your evolutions and a a new program that you guys are launching. And I don't want to dive deep into um, what I'm about to ask you, but you started with the standards and the guides, and then you migrated a bit more into sustainability from a holistic approach with the level program. And that program is relatively new but it takes a holistic approach to sustainability. So can you just like highlight that program for a minute? We're not going to dive deep into it, but just kind of highlight what level it is. 
Yes, I'd love to. So Level First came out in 2009. So I guess, you know, given that we've had standards for 40 years by comparison, it's relatively new, yeah. but, but it's um, it has been out for over a decade now. And we've had a couple of different iterations along the way. And and it was BIFMA's, uh, it was kind of new territory for BIFMA, where, as, as you mentioned, there is a voluntary standard, which is called the E3 Furniture Sustainability Standard. And it functions quite a bit like our other standards in terms of manufacturer can utilize the standard and and make their products conform but because it is it's a it's a very comprehensive standard it's what we would call a multi attribute standard so in the world of sustainability this is particularly important because sustainability is such a complex subject you know um, it's not just about recycled content or not just about end of life strategy or not you know just about material chemistry um, or occupant wellness, it, it really attempts to pull in, you know, all aspects of sustainability. So for that reason, and also because, you know, there's such a need in the market for verification around sustainability claims, BIFMA went to what, it, what for them was new at the time to have a third party certification program. And that's where the level branding comes in. So level is the third party certification program to BIFMA's E3 furniture sustainability standard. So it's really helpful to have that mark out there. And we have an online registry for level certified products. Mm -hmm. So that's the market's verification, you know, where they can go and see all of the products that are certified uh, to either level one, level two, or level three. And so that actually also takes into consideration, not just the the sustainability components of the product, it's also the behavior of the company making the products, right? And how much of their raw materials that they recycle and their behaviors of how they do things. Is that, that accurate? Yes, it is. So on the whole company social sustainability piece, that's interesting from the perspective as we, if we try to transport ourselves back to 2009, Mm -hmm. that was really unique and novel at that time because it was, you know, most people were thinking of sustainability just in terms of green, so to speak, just in terms of environmental issues, you know, ecosystem health, I'll say it that way. But Level from the very start has always had a very robust component around social sustainability. And so as, you know, fast forward 12 years, and now a lot of the newer standards on the market are, are almost almost more focused on, you know, human health and wellness. Yeah. So that has been a component from level all along. So yes, that's, and then sort of, you know, end of life, but also up through the supply chain. Mm-hmm. So that's also a unique feature of level that it's not just what's happening within the doors of the manufacturer's plant, there's opportunities to pull in the supply chain itself in terms of what is, especially chemist, chemical profiles and sure. things of that nature. Yeah. And it, it's a really important conversation and I would love to have it. We're not going to have it today, but it's a right. really important conversation because a couple of episodes ago, I believe it was episode 41. I had a guest on that talked about 17 billion pounds of office furniture are put into a landfill every year. That's 25% of the landfill capacity. And it's a shocking number. 
And we as an industry have to do a better job at understanding the end of life of our products and the honestly, the dismantling of them and the recycling of the dismantled product into other materials. So we're not going to go down a, sustain, a sustainability. No, but let I, me just say, amen, brother. <laughs> yes. Totally agree with all of that. Yeah. It is so important because as an industry, we use so much of our world's natural resources in our manufacturing process. We got to pay attention to what happens with our products at the end. So I'm getting off my soapbox on that. And we're, I think I'm going to have a whole series on sustainability because it is so important. And it's come up in so many of my episodes this year that I think we have to talk about it more and understand our responsibility, not only as industry manufacturers, distributors, and people that play roles in our industry, but also those, what do we tell our customers to do with their products at the end mm-hmm. of the month? Yep. Okay, enough of my soapbox. So the reason that we're actually coming together today is what we want to talk about a new program that you guys launched on March the 1st, and it's called BIFMA Compliant. So can you tell us a little bit about this? Maybe I'll take the first stab again, okay, kind of the sure. broad brush uh, in terms of what it is. But I think this will be something where Dave will really have a lot of great content for your listeners. So BIFMA compliant, we have kind of an elevator pitch about it. So maybe I'll just even refer to that because we put some thought into this. It, it, it is an industry-wide registry of furniture products that conform to those BIFMA safety and durability standards we've been talking about. And and the intent really is that it will provide clarity to the market and differentiate those products that meet those established industry standards. So it's the first time we've had something like this. You know, Dave talked about the fact that our industry is not regulated and all of our standards are voluntary with, you know, sort of that exception of level and the third party certification. But for all of our mechanical standards, there's never really been a tool whereby somebody can verify a claim that might be out there. I want to hang out there for a second because that's really answering the question of how and why did this come about, Dave? Well, I've been with BIFMA 11 years and over the years, it has not been uncommon for me to get a phone call or an email. Can you tell me whose product meets the X5.1 chair standard? Or can you tell me about company X? Do they meet your standards? And the answer has always been, no, you have to do your own research to figure out who meets the standards. We don't keep track of that. We don't police anything. And that question was so ubiquitous that it seemed appropriate to create a BIFMA compliant program to help answer those questions. Also, we, we do want the manufacturers to get credit for what they're doing right. And we there's a lot of manufacturers out there that spend time and money to test their products to meet these standards. So this is their opportunity to showcase their products. So the problem here is that because it's unregulated, as you talked about it a minute ago, right? You guys aren't the police. You're not the testing police. Anybody can say, oh, we meet BIFMA. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Yeah, that's really that, what's been happening, right? People say, oh, we meet BIFMA, but they never went through the process to actually test the product, nor do they have the documentations, but they can say, oh, we meet BIFMA. And mm-hmm. they, they still can. Okay. You, someone can still say, well, we meet the BIFMA standard. And the problems are they'll say things like we meet BIFMA and it's just very generic. Mm-hmm. Well, do you meet it for chairs? Do you meet it for tables? So we ask, we have a rule set called BIFMA Product Conformance 2020. It's on our website. You can look under standards and standards FAQs, and it'll 
tell you how we believe as an industry, you should state your conformance. Mm. But of course, with BIFMA compliant, you can prove it by having your test reports audited by us. And you get to be on a, a registry that the market can look at. All right. So BIFMA compliant is a registry where manufact- member manufacturers can send their testing documentation to you. You validate they meet the test. And then that product is then it listed on a website for people to search. That is exactly right. And they can okay. search by brand. They can search by the category. Is this a chair, table, what have you? Or they can search by the standard. I want to look at the chair standard X5.1 versus the chair standard X5.4, which is for lounge type products. Sure. sure. So, so the, the, the different users, right? The technical users are going to want to search by the standard where the consumer, the knowledgeable consumer is going to search by the product category, most likely that they're interested in. So that's great. So are there other key elements or what are the key elements to the program? Well, the key elements are first off, there is an agreement between BIFMA and the brand. They have to sign a contract and the contract has to be signed by an executive of the company. So this isn't uh, anyone in the company can, can say, oh, we're going to participate. It has to be a top-down agreement to participate in the program. They have to have products tested in an ISO 17025 accredited lab. Basically, that means auditors will come in their lab and look at calibration, look at training, is the location secure or can anyone walk in there and fiddle with a machine? There's lots of rules in ISO 17025. So again, they're, they're a, a certified lab, so to speak, accredited. Not only are they accredited, but they are accredited with the BIFMA standards in their scope of accreditation. So if they're accredited to test for toys, I mean, that's great, but they have to be accredited to test for ANSI BIFMA furniture standards. Right. Okay. So those are the two primary elements? Well, there's also a fee to participate. So there is a pay to play and uh, it's a very modest fee, but uh, in the agreement and the contract that's signed by the executive, there also Mm -hmm. states there's a fee to participate as of course, there's some cost to BIFMA to run this program. Absolutely. I mean, and we're not for, not for profit. So it's a, it's a very modest cost. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, actually. But what I love what it's doing is that you're getting agreement from the top of the, of the chain, right? From the top of the manufacturing. And you're validating that the test has been done in an ISO 17025 lab. I don't even want to go into what that means, but guys just know it's important that it's an ISO 17025 lab. And then once all that's done and then you review it, then they can be listed as a BIFMA compliant and they actually get a sticker, right? Or they get a, an icon, or something, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. If, if you work your way through the process and your product is shown to, in fact, meet the criteria and, you know, we do some testing or excuse me, some checking of your testing reports and things of that nature, then those products can be listed on the registry and you are allowed to utilize the BIFMA compliant mark in a similar way that, you know, we have the level mark out there uh, on, on that particular product. So we have a couple of different ways that manufacturers can utilize that in their own marketing and promotional materials. They can call themselves a BIFMA compliant participant. So if they just want to talk about the fact that their company participates in the program in more general terms, we have a way for them to do that. 
And then uh, product specific, because this is a product conformance program, so it really is at the product level, then those products in their line that have gone through the process can, can yeah, carry the mark, whether they want to put a sticker on it or a hang tag or in their marketing materials, however they see the most value in talking about their BIFMA compliant products, they're free to do so. So for the first time ever, I mean, I've been in the industry a long time. And so for the first time ever, a manufacturer has the ability to put a mark that says this product is compliant to BIFMA and it's validated. It's confirmed. It's no longer we meet BIFMA. It's saying to the consumer, to the dealer, to the designer, the specifier, whoever it is, Mm -hmm. we meet this standard. Here's the mark, just like the level mark. Here it is. We meet this standard. Now let's go forth. Okay. I like that because now it's showing the manufacturer and actually gives them something to say, hey, this is what we've done. This is what we do. We have invested in this program in these tests to ensure that we're providing the best quality product to the market. You got yes, it. Yep. I want to, <laughs> I do want to add something just so that there's no, I want to be transparent. This is yes, not please. restricted to members. So this is non-members can participate also. So any company, whether they're a member or a non-member can sign the agreement and submit their test reports and, and participate. So it's very that is a great clarification point. Thank you for bringing that up. So it's available to anybody in our industry in North America, it, anywhere, anywhere. Yeah. Oh, wow. Our statistics, as we said earlier, are Got North it. America, but the standards are actually used widely okay. beyond North America. So it's basically open to anybody, whether you're a member or not. Yeah. If you've done the work to have the products tested, you can submit your test results to BIFMA, you guys will validate it, go through the process once the agreement's signed and all that. If you have validated or verified everything, then they get the, the label, if you will, that says that they are BIFMA compliant. That's that right. is correct. All right, yep. So how do people discover and verify that products actually are BIFMA compliant? Well, we really direct everybody to BIFMA.org. It's like, you know, if you can remember one email address, or excuse me, one web address, that would be the one. Because right from our homepage, you can easily hop off to level, you can hop off to BIFMA compliant. And and that's where you can learn about BIFMA compliant and click a button as of March 1st, there's a big button right there that says visit the registry. And that will show you this searchable database that has all of the products listed. And of course, this will grow over time. You've been really pleased. We've been working on this for a long time, uh, doing the behind the scenes so that uh, when we pulled that trigger on March 1st, there was already a whole host of products pre-populated, pre-vetted. And so that's exciting. We've been really delighted to actually even exceed our forecast for the number of manufacturers and products that would be there from the start. But that will, of course, continue to grow over time as the market begins to further understand what this is and what value it has. We feel that the market will drive more and more manufacturers to want to have their products become BIFMA compliant. Yeah, the requests are still rolling in. So it's launched, but they're still coming in. That's great. I mean, I think as more and more manufacturers learn about this, they're going to want to participate in it because it's it's validation is what it is. It's actually being able to stand up and say, we did this. And I think it's a really, really good thing. Manufacturers want this. Uh, Jennifer and I have done many presentations prior to launch. And we've always used one slide where we use the homegrown sticker, so to speak, or the homegrown the market created their own BIFMA tested, BIFMA quality, which are both wrong because we don't test and we're not, these aren't quality standards. Right. Um, so yeah, the market wanted this. 
there's there were so many homegrown labels out there. So they asked for it and they got it. So we're, we're very pleased about this. Well, I'm excited about it. I know the manufacturers are. Hopefully the word will continue to spread and your wait list is going to continue to grow because I think it's really important. And I appreciate you guys being here today because this is one week after the launch. And I appreciate you sharing it with our listeners. And I'm excited to see where this goes. But I do have another question I want to ask if we got just a couple more minutes. Is that okay? Sure. So last year, I had the distinct opportunity to attend the BIFMA 360 conference, my first time ever to go. And it was absolutely fantastic. I had the opportunity to network and meet a lot of people that I would not have necessarily had the chance to meet. Got to hear some fantastic speakers at last year's event. So can you give us a little bit of a peek behind the curtain, if you will, about this year's event, where it's going to be and when it is? Sure. Happy to do that. Yeah. The 360 is really a signature event for our industry. And I'm kind of the new kid at BIFMA. So I think I can say with, you know, uh, with some authority that it's an awesome conference. You know, I, I'm kind of new going to it as well and with, had just been so impressed and continue to be so. So Traditionally, the 360 is held in January, but January 2020 was not a good time to have an in-person conference. So our our rescheduled date is the end of September, currently scheduled for September 26th through 29th in Miami. The plan is to do an in-person conference safely at that time. So we bring together, oh, usually about 250 to 300 folks, mostly members, but not all. As you say, Sid, you got to go and that's wonderful. And we bring in thought leadership. So it's really, it's a very high level thought leadership type of conference. You know, if you, if you're looking to find the 10 best strategies to sell your product, this is probably not the right conference for that. It's much more inspirational. We really don't talk about furniture actually that much, some, but but it's it's really bringing in experts around different themes. And we have a theme every year. And the speakers we bring in are world-class around those themes just to be provocative, really, uh, to right. walk away with your brain exploding, essentially, and, and trying to figure out, all right, how might I apply some of these to my particular role or my company or my life? So the theme that we have for the upcoming conference is called Navigating Next, with the idea being that when we do hold finally our delayed conference, we will have at least one foot, hopefully solidly out of the pandemic with vaccines and and so on. And we'll be ready to start, you know, we'll be over a year into this thing and we'll really start to be seeing what is next. But I'll just maybe make a quick plug because we didn't have our January event. We're currently running a four-part webinar series, and there's still two yet to come uh, in early April and in early May to kind of mark, you know, the beginning of the year when we normally would have had it. We're calling it the 180, and it's called Navigating Now. So each of these four webinars address one of the four vertical markets that our members participate in. And so you can get all the details about that on our events page as well and sign them if you're interested. So I think it's great because I attended your first one. And one of the things that I enjoyed the most about it was listening to customers in our industry talk about what they've been going through. And the lady from Snyder Electric. Snyder Electric. Yeah. From Verizon, right? Yep. Yep. Okay, that's great. So and see, I do have my memory is not totally gone. <laughs> so, but it was just fascinating to hear them talk about 
what they've been going through, how they've been handling their employees to return to work and work from home and those kinds of things. So I appreciate the education and the leadership you guys are bringing, but I do want to spotlight one thing and then we'll wrap up. My first event was a little nervous going by myself, which is great. I knew a lot of people that were already there, but there are two highlights for me that stood out. And uh, part of the reason why I'm looking forward to this year's in September being there this year, um, the speakers, mm-hmm. that's off the chart. Good. I refer to Nancy Cohan's book, Forged in Crisis, at yep. least once a week. And she basically caused me to be fascinated with Ernest Shackleton and his story. Uh, and I talk about him all the time because I went to Biffman and I learned about something I didn't know because a Harvard professor talked about research that she'd been doing on leadership from the eight, 1900s. Fascinating, right? That was the right. first thing. Uh, I love the speakers. The second thing is, I'd never seen this done before, loved participating in it, and I really hope it's part of the September event, the speed dating dinner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's, I mean, I got to sit next to um, David Epstein, who is a New York Times bestselling author of the book Range, who also spoke at the event. I got to have dinner with him. I got to sit next to uh, the CEO of a you know really large brand at dinner. I mean, it's just so different the way you approach that speed dating through dinner. And so basically, guys, what it is, is each course of dinner, you switch tables and you have a different course at a different table with different people. And what a great way to encourage networking and collaboration amongst our community and amongst competitors, but also friends, right? Because we're all working for the same thing and towards the same goal. So I applaud you guys for doing that. I thought it was off the charts good. No, you're, I, a lot of people really love that event, and we've been doing it for a few years now, and it, it is definitely a fan favorite, so we we intend to continue it. Yep. Well, that's great. Yeah, you're you're guaranteed to meet about 50 people with the speed dating. I mean, each table is like eight to 10 people and five courses, so it's that's pretty awesome. That's, that's actually one of my favorite things about... Well, I actually have the same two favorite things as you said. The speakers and the speed dating. Yeah, that's yeah. great. I would be interesting to do a little survey of the people that attend. Like, what are their? You guys probably already do that. We but, have, yeah, and yeah. those are definitely uh, high on the list. I think the networking, which you kind of alluded to, whether it be at the speed dining event or just in the other events, yeah. we don't really do a lot of like parallel programming. So, because it is a, essentially a smaller crowd. I mean, three hundred people is not small, but compared to some conferences. So we're all kind of having the same experience over the course of, you know, two days. And so there's a lot of great networking that can happen as people are sort of processing what they're learning, what they're hearing and the new people they're meeting. That's awesome. Thanks again so much for being here today. If our community and our listeners would like to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Well, I hope they do want to get in touch with us. I'll say that first of all, we would love to hear from anybody who's listening out there a couple ways. On LinkedIn is is great. Either me personally, Jennifer Womack, I'm on there, or we also would really love to have folks follow the Bifma LinkedIn page as well. Something more specific, if they have questions, email is always good, and our emails are listed on our website too. Okay, great, Dave. Yep, same for me. Email is is 99.9 percent of my communications. All right, guys, we will drop their email uh, links into the show notes. 
And then we'll also put a link to the BIFMA website. If you'd like to go join the BIFMA mailing list, I'd highly encourage you to do that, to stay up to date with what's going on with BIFMA. And then go out there and follow BIFMA on LinkedIn. It's B-I-F-M-A again. Follow them on LinkedIn. And if you do connect with Jennifer and Dave on LinkedIn, be sure to follow the rules, which is you don't connect with them blindly. You click the add note button when you go to connect with them on your desktop and let them know that you heard them on the trend report and that you're excited to connect with them on LinkedIn. Again, guys, thank you so much for being here. It was a great conversation. I appreciate all the insights that you shared with us and our listeners. And I look forward to seeing you um, really soon in September at the BIFMA 360 event. Take care. I said, thanks. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of the Trend Report Podcast. I'm glad that you're here. And I hope that you got some amazing value out of today's conversation. For more about our podcast and this episode and our other episodes, please visit my website at sidmeadows.com. We look forward to seeing you next week and go out there and make today great.